2020, episode 136. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray and here, the host that brings you the news, the related events, the things that are going on with the 2020 election. I bring you all of their ideas, all the candidates and their things that they are talking about, things that they are trying to push on you in order to get you to vote for them, I guess, because they want to pander as much as they can to get your vote. That's what it seems like on the Democratic ticket, as well as a lot of times on the Republican tickets also. Uh, you're going to have them pandering to different people, though, because some people just don't believe in the idea that the government should do a lot of things so there's going to be people that pander to those people but there's also going to be those that believe that the government should do everything an unlimited government and there's going to be people that are going to pander them to them as well seems like the democrats are on the side of those people that just think that the government wants to pander to or that the government should provide everything to every person there are those people out there that are like that right and uh there's also people that are kind of like in the middle somewhere as well some people are on the left of that some people are on the right of that but there's gonna be people that are gonna pander to each of those people and you're gonna have the parties that are gonna represent those people as well so uh i will be talking about that stuff though that's what this show is it's i on 2020 guys i on 2020 that's right if you're a first time listener i take this from a libertarian perspective i'm looking at the 2020 elections from the libertarian perspective so if you like to know a little bit about politics, if you'd like to know what's going on in the political sphere, if you'd like to know what's going on with the Republicans, the Democrats, the Libertarians, any third party that might be running, I'm going to be trying to cover those things as the news is made, okay? I do that Monday through Friday for you, five days a week. I've done it since January, and I will continue to do it until November of 2020. So let's just keep on rolling forward every single day. I'm not only bringing you guys just the news and the events that are going on, I also try to figure out what these candidates are talking about, right? And then I could present to you guys some critiques of things like, for example, Medicare for all. For example, free college tuition for everybody. For example, going to war in these foreign countries and the non-aggression against these countries, you know? Uh, I'm going to talk about libertarian principles as well sometimes, like the non-aggression principle. I'm going to talk about libertarian principles like you know, self-ownership and things like that. I'll, I'll be bringing those things up throughout the time as well. So if you are a first-time listener and you like libertarianism, then hey, you found the right spot. But if you are, say, the, say you're a Republican or a Democrat and you just want to hear a differing opinion from the echo chamber that you might be in on Twitter and Facebook and other podcasts that you're listening to, keep on listening because I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I give you a good libertarian spin on the elections. I'm not some kind of uh, extremist by any means. I know that we live in the real world and that you have to have real world solutions to real world problems. You can't just live in an ideological state your entire life and think that somehow if you just got rid of government completely, everything would be better because people do depend upon government. So I'm not in some sort of 
echo I'm not in some sort of echo chamber of my own where I think that if you just abolished the government completely and went with the libertarian utopia of no government, that things are going to be great. Because the reality is, and we live in the real world, like I just said, the reality is is that we there are people that depend upon government. People have formed governments for a use. Now the government has become out of control and the government has become overburdensome. But if like there was a group of 100 people that went off into the woods and founded their own li- little libertarian utopia somehow, they would start forming some kind of governance among them. They would, I mean, it's just the way that people are. We form rules. We start having these rules that we have that among people that we're going to enforce somehow. And that's just the way people are. So somehow, if we went into a situation like that, If there was a situation like that, you're going to have rules, you're going to have regulations of some sort among the people. And that's how the society is now. We have 300 million people living in America. Uh, You can't just sit there and go and abolish government in some ways now. But my principle is always this, though. I am a principled person in the sense that I believe in the idea that the less government that you have, the better, to the point that hey, let's get to the point where we're arguing about whether we should abolish the last little remnant of government that there is. I do believe in that idea, right? But living in the real world, we have a lot of problems that are going on right now with the government that we have, with the politicians that we have, with the corruption that we have, with Washington, D.C., with our state governments, with our local governments. We have those problems. So let's address those problems in the real world that we live in and start changing the culture that we live in so that people will stop thinking to themselves every time there's a problem, how can the government fix it? But when there's a problem, they think, how can we get together and fix it? That's the challenge that we live in today. That's the real world that we live in today. And we cannot live in some sort of idea that we just you know, argue with our friends about who's going to build the roads or whether there should be a border wall or whether we should have free flow of immigration across the world. Those are ideological arguments that really, they, they do have a place. I can't say that they don't have a place. You should know, you should understand that if we got to a point where there was such a limited government that, you know, they said, you know what, hey, let's vote on whether we're going to go ahead and privatize the roads. If we got to that point, right, there is, there, there, there are arguments for and against that. And I would say at that point, you could say, hey, yeah, let's go ahead and privatize some roads. But we're not there yet, guys. We are definitely not there yet. We're at a point right now where we should be arguing whether we should stop building roads in Japan for some new military base that is there because we think that we should have a presence against China over in the Pacific Ocean. We should be in an argument right now whether we should still have a military base over in, in Germany since the late 40s. We should be in an argument right now whether we should have military bases in Afghanistan and a huge presence in Iraq. That's where that's the arguments that we should be having right now. Or whether whether we should be voting for somebody that's okay with a Medicare for all type plan. Whether we should have Medicare at all. Whether we should have Social Security at all. Like Those are arguments that we can have. But those are bridges that we can cross later down the road as well. We have a military industrial complex that runs this country in some ways, and that is something that we can address right off the bat, and we can get a coalition of people on the left and on the right that would agree with us on those things. So let's address issue by issue by issue, and what's the one issue that we can attack immediately? 
Let's focus on that one as a, as a group. Join arm in arm with people that we don't agree with in order to make things happen. That's what I think we should be doing. Rather than living in some kind of ideological utopia idea that we're going to sit there and just preach this, this idea when all it does is confuses a lot of freaking people. It confuses people that are coming towards the libertarian movement. It confuses them when they come into a group and they're sitting there thinking to themselves, holy cow, I don't think I'd ever be libertarian because look at these crazy people. All they talk about is who's going to build the roads and whether we should have free flow of immigration and all these ideological things that don't matter in the short term because we're bombing people in Afghanistan right now. We're bombing people in Iran right now, or we're seeking to bomb people in Iran right now, I guess, and we're selling billions of dollars of weapons to Saudi Arabia so they could bomb people in Yemen, and we're refilling their airplanes so they can go and fly these missions to bomb people in Yemen. And we have people in Somalia and every country in the world, the CIA is trying to overthrow dictators that don't agree with them. There's a lot more we could be doing right now than arguing about these little teeny things that are never really going to come to pass. Are we really ever going to see a world where they privatize every single road? Probably not. Not in our lifetimes anyway, but we could start that ball rolling so we could have that argument one day. And how do we do that right now? It's by joining arms in a coalition of libertarians and libertarian-leaning people and people that just are against, against the wars and start fighting on that battlefield. And that's it. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that is not even what I wanted to talk about today, though. So let me go ahead and move on to the actual subject that I wanted to talk about today. So I've been thinking about something psychologically that is going on within the news media as well as maybe it's just something that's going on that we are unaware of, but it was kind of talked about by George Orwell in the 1984 book way back when. And um, he said in that book, it's written, who controls the past controls the future, who controls the present controls the past. And I wanted to talk about that from a different standpoint, and it's this. Who, the first part of it says, who controls the past controls the future. Today is the past of tomorrow, right? So what the media and what the, liber, the liberals are trying to do and what you see happening today is that they're trying to control the present right now so they can have the future that's going forward, right? For, and what I'm getting at is this. If you look at certain things in the news media that happen... For example, think about the George Zimmerman case that happened back in uh, 2012 with Trayvon Martin. And the narrative at the time was that George Zimmerman was some kind of racist that decided that he was going to just kill some black kid in a hoodie that was walking through his neighborhood, right? And he called the police and, and uh, was on the phone with 911 saying, hey, I think someone should come out here right now. And then they followed him and they said, hey, don't follow him. But he still followed because he was the neighborhood watch guy and he was going to, you know, keep an eye on this kid or whatever. And the, the way that the narrative was is that George Zimmerman, he was the racist and he was just, you know, f- profiling this kid. And then he had actually attacked the kid and then ended up shooting him, right? 
that's the narrative that you would get from the news media at the time as well as after that, right? And that was the exact narrative that when people think about that case today, that's how they that's how they're perceiving that case. So who controls the past controls the future. Right now, the liberal media at the time, the people that were trying to spin that narrative a specific way, right now they control the past because of what they did in the past. So now they control the future. They control the way that we perceive that particular case. When in reality, I mean, if you look at the case, Zimmerman was found not guilty, that there was no conclusive evidence that he did it, uh, or that did it intentionally, uh, that it was that they found that he was most likely doing it in self-defense, and that's the way that the case ended up coming out. But George Zimmerman is, he is guilty in the eyes of the public, even to this day. Anything that happens to this guy, it's, it makes news media now because he was the racist that killed some black kid, and that's it. But the way that they did that, the way that the media portrayed him from the very beginning, the way that it was perceived is that he was a racist, and that's the narrative that they went with, and now they control that past, so now they control what you think in the future. So he or who controls the past controls the future. It's amazing that that's, that that's the case, but it's true. So we need to, when we're thinking about things going on right now, when we're thinking about media, what they're doing, in certain ways we need to think to ourselves, are they trying to control the present right now and control the media narrative right now in order to, so they can, down the road, five, six, seven years down the road, you'll look back and you'll think to yourself, oh yeah, that's because that was that racist guy that killed the black kid. Same thing with the way that the 2008 financial crisis was portrayed in the media. The 2008 financial crisis, the liberal media ran with it and said that it was greedy bankers that were you know, selling these different financial portfolio things that had bad debt in it and that they were getting them rated by Moody's and they were, you know, AAA rated and all this stuff. And then everything fell apart because of the greed of the bankers and the greed of the people that were, you know, dealing with the housing market and all that stuff, right? <clears throat> it was just plain greed. Greed, and that was it. And that is the media narrative that they ran with. And today, you'll hear about them saying, greedy Wall Street bankers, they were the ones that were bailed out in 2008, and it was all their greed, and now look at us today. And, you know, there's, there's a wealth gap now, and it's increasing and everything else. That is the media narrative that they ran with, at the time, so they controlled the present at the time, but now they control the past. Now, most people, they feel that way about the financial crisis. But if you look at the financial crisis, there was way more, it was, there was way more going on at the time and a lot of government programs that kind of allowed this stuff to happen, kind of forced this stuff to happen. The low interest rates from the Fed the federal government saying that, hey, you have to loan to certain people and allowing it to get to the point where banks at that point were giving people zero interest loans, not zero interest loans, sorry, but low interest loans with zero down payment. Some people are even taking out a zero down payment loan as well as another 20% on top of that and the anticipation that the price was going to go up so they could pay down their mortgage by 20% or just have that equity sitting there so they can use it to go buy a car also so they get a new house and a new car at the same time 
with zero money down. There was all kinds of things that were going on that were irresponsible at the time. And a lot of that was caused by the federals, the Federal Reserve, as well as the federal government's laws trying to make it easier to let people have a home. Which led to negative externality, externalities, which led to the financial crisis. But that's not the narrative that you hear in the media. Today, it's just common, commonly perceived that it was greedy businessmen that caused the financial crisis. Greedy businessmen. And most people believe that. So he who controls the, who controls the past controls the future. But if you can control the present narrative, then tomorrow you're going to control the, pre, control the past. It's amazing, right? Think about things that are going on right now as well with Donald Trump. Not to completely defend the guy, but clearly he did not collude with the Russians. It was, not, it was found that that's not the case. But that was the media narrative at the time. That Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. Donald Trump was the one. He had these meetings in his, you know, in Trump Tower. His son went there and got all the good information. Met with the Russians so they could, you know, buy the election and all that stuff. And that Donald Trump colluded. They controlled the present at the time. So now they control the per, per, the past. They control the perception that people have. Of the past right now because of the way that they spun it at the time that it happened. So every time you're watching a news story, every time you're seeing what's going on right now with the federal government, with the way that the different politicians spin certain things, are they trying to control the present narrative so that in the future they'll be able to look back and say that is the way things were and that's the way it happened and they'll be able to kind of rewrite history in that way. So that no one will think otherwise. That's what we need to remember when we're thinking about what these politicians are talking about. What the news media narrative is. If it's true. There's a lot of times when you'll hear something in the media that they run with. And then a week later it'll be redacted but you never hear the redaction. Because... It's just, they'll they'll mention the redaction maybe in small print on the last page of the newspaper, small print on the last page of the of the website, but it'll never go public with that redaction. They won't make that thing front page news or anything like that on their websites, or on Fox News or whatever channel you're watching. No, they will never do that. They want to control the media narrative to their benefit. So. Keep that in mind when you guys are watching the news, when you're watching the debates, when you're watching the things. How are they referring to the past? Is it a, is, are they referring to the past in factual, accurate statements? Or are they just using the media narrative at the time to their own benefit? So that they can continue to erase away a little bit of the history in people's minds. Is that what they're trying to do? I think that they're trying to do that right now with the Trump administration, obviously, with the Russian collusion and all that stuff, all the things that are going on. That's what they're going to try to do. So keep that in mind, guys, when you guys are, you know, when you're watching the news, are they trying to rewrite history right now so that in the future people will look back at certain things and think a certain way about a specific event? Is that what they're trying to do? I think that there's a propaganda campaign always against us in some ways. From the left, from the right. 
they're always trying to have things their specific way. And that's that's just the way that the politics is, because they want to have control of a trillion-dollar government. They want to have control of trillions upon trillions of dollars that come in to the federal government every single year. That's what they want. The more control that they have over that money, the more favors they can get hand out to other people, and more it benefits them personally, as well as their party. So anyway, uh, moving on to something a little bit less serious is this. Um, the debates, I don't know that they helped out Pete Buttigieg at all. They did not really hurt Joe Biden at all. He's still running pretty high. I was looking at a poll the other day that came out, and it was uh, the Emerson University poll, or Emerson poll, I think is what it was, and it was showing Joe Biden still at like, um, you know, in the high 20s at the time, and Pete Buttigieg actually dropped down to 5% of the vote from around 12%, 12 or 13% at one point, and then Kamala Harris... Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren all had 15% each. So I think all that Kamala Harris did by having a good performance was she was able to take votes away from Pete Buttigieg and a few other people. And that's all she did. She did not get anything from Warren. She didn't get much from Bernie Sanders. Maybe a few points from Bernie Sanders. But still, you know, Joe Biden still leading the pack even after a poor performance during the debates. So uh, just wanted to let you guys know that as well. Not that, I mean, and hopefully you don't care too much about the polls. I just want to let you know how, because I was talking about these particular debates and I was thinking to myself, Kamala Harris was going to start doing really well and everything else. I was thinking that Pete Buttigieg would start doing pretty well, but Kamala Harris was the only person that won and all she did was take votes away from a few other people and that was it. But she didn't get anything from Warren and she didn't really get anything from Joe Biden or from um from bernie sanders so guys i appreciate you listening to the show thank you so much uh listenership it continues to grow every single day and that's because we're moving forward with this election and there's a lot of people that are interested in a libertarian message they are they're looking for something more they realize that the system is broken they realize that this two-party system is there's a fault to it they knew it when they voted for donald trump they knew it because he was not the party guy at the time at all. They knew it. And it's something that he's having a hard time breaking down. He's doing some good things that are going against the parties and all that stuff and going against the grain. But he's but a lot of things that are going on are falling in line with the neoconservative movement. The you know military has a lot of control, it seems like, over what's going on in overseas. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of control. He really tries, it seems like to me at sometimes, but, um, you know, it's something that's hard to do. And what we need to do as a group, though, is start changing the culture. That's what we're doing. We're changing the culture. We're starting to move people towards thinking about liberty. That's what we need to be doing. That's by getting out there and talking to your friends, talking to your family members, letting them know that there is a better way, that dependence beyond government is not the way. That when politicians promise, all they're doing is pandering. And if we can start doing that, that's a great way to start moving the culture, the way that people think about their their relationship with government. It'll start changing that view that the government, just because they pass a law, is going to make things right. That the government, anytime there's a problem, that the government should come in and fix it. 
No, communities should get together and fix those things. That's what we should be doing. So share the show with a friend if you'd like. I'd really love to see more grow the show continue to grow the way it is. So share the show with your friends, okay? And then give me a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast you're listening through. If there is a way to give a five-star rating, do it. Uh, and then if you do give me a review, review let me know. You can do that right at IonTheEmpire.com because I want to read those on the show as well. I check Apple pretty regularly, and I also check uh, Stitcher pretty regularly to see what they're doing. But if you're through another podcatcher, just you know, let me know. That's Ray at IonTheEmpire.com. And you could also email me at that website, or at that email address, any stories that you have of how you're moving the libertarian message in your community, okay? How you're spreading that message in your community. If you do that, I'll give you the last minute of my show. And then if you want to support the show, you can do that. Anchor.fm slash Ion2020. And there you'll have a place where you can support $2.99, and $9.99 support levels. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. I apologize. So if you want to do that, I appreciate that as well. And then I on the Empire, you can find me I on the Empire.com and I on the Empire at Facebook, Twitter, Minds. All right. And then what you can do, the best thing you do is come back tomorrow. And then you'll have clear vision for 2020.